I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired of turning on the news and hearing about another shooting. Uh, more violence, more anger and hatred that comes out in these awful, vile ways. I'm tired. I'm tired of having to visit some of you in the hospital. And I don't mean that I don't like to come to see you, but, but that you have to be in the hospital. And I'm tired of these diagnoses of cancer and these health issues that, that you have to deal with every single day when you get out of bed. I'm tired of not knowing if and when my girls are going to need more health care in the future. I'm tired. I'm tired of my own sinful flesh. I'm, I'm tired of, of hurting people that I love. I'm tired of, of, of all my selfish ways, putting myself before God. I'm tired of knowing the right thing that God wants me to do, but, but so often doing just the opposite. I'm sick of it. I'm tired. I'm tired of having to say goodbye to people I love as they're taken in death. I'm tired of, of watching other people struggle with grief. If it's losing a spouse of 60 years or the sudden tragic death of a child, I just grow tired of all this. And maybe you know all full, full well too, this tiredness that I feel. And that's why we have Sundays like this one. And that's why God gives us these incredible promises and these pictures of what's to come. Because we're tired. <laughs> because we're walking through this veil of tears. We're walking through this valley of the shadow of death. We live in this world of decay and destruction. And we, we just want things to be different to be changed, to be made new. And so God gives us promises to refresh us and to rejuvenate us. Promises that there is something more to come. Promises that he makes in his word to sustain us on this journey. Right, that help us as we deal with the grief and the sadness of losing people we love. And to deal with all of the garbage we have to go through in this life. God gives us promises that are for all the saints. For those who are now part of the saints triumphant, those who, who, who are now before the throne and before the Lamb, right? promises that God made to them in their life, that they clung to in this life and now are enjoying forever, right? And promises that he makes to us, the saints militant, those who are still in the struggle, those who are still fighting the good fight of faith, those who are clinging to these promises, right? These promises are for all the saints, for those in heaven, they're now full realized, for those of us still on earth, still to come. For us, 
those saints that God declares to be, to be holy, to be blameless, to be pure in his sight right now through Christ. Right, that we cling to these promises. We cling to Christ for our salvation. We cling to those robes of righteousness that, that, that someday we will stand faultless before his throne. But until then, God wants us to give strength, wants us to have strength for the journey. God wants to bring rest to tired, weary souls. To the saints militant, to you and to me. And that's what we have before us in our first lesson from Isaiah. Promises of renewal, promises of refreshment, promises of redemption from all our tiredness and our weariness and all the things that make us sad and afraid and troubled in this life. Yeah, we have just nine verses of Isaiah before us this morning, and that, that's just a little bit. Uh, I, Isaiah is, is a very long book. It's 66 chapters, uh, and, and it's not only long, but it's kind of difficult, too. Uh, and it, what makes it difficult is because sometimes it seems like Isaiah is talking to the people of his time, right, to the Old Testament Jews that, that he is just preaching to directly, right in front of them, and, and, and sometimes it, it seems like he's talking about future distant things, and, and it seems like that because that's what it is. <laughs> there, there's a couple different layers to the writing of Isaiah. All right, again, this is all inspired by God, the Holy Spirit. All right, these are all God's word that, that, I, that Isaiah is given to preach and to share. And so on the first level, you have those, those words that are spoken to God's Old Testament people, the Jews, and, and they're facing destruction. They're facing punishment for their sin, their disobedience, and, and, and their lack of repentance. And so God says, through Isaiah, you're going to be defeated by your enemies. Sometime in the near future, destruction's going to come. You're going to see Jerusalem itself destroyed, and many of you are going to be taken off into captivity, right? And we hear a little bit of that, um, it, that idea that he will bring them back. We hear that in our lesson, this idea of, of creating something new in this Jerusalem, and they're going to build houses and plant vineyards, right? So you've got that, that, that immediate fulfillment for God's Old Testament people that you hear a little bit in here, okay? And God would bring them back to that promised land because he would keep that promise of a savior. And that's where the next layer of, of prophecy comes in in Isaiah, is that Isaiah is led in many places in his 66 chapters of his book to, to talk about a future fulfillment of his words. That that Christ would come. That promised Savior would come. And, and, and it's from Isaiah that you hear many of those familiar passages you know. That, that a virgin will be with child and give birth to a son. And they would call him Emmanuel. Right? And, and for to us a son is uh, born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Right? Uh, and it talks about how he will come to bring light into our darkness. Right? All of these wonderful promises and prophecies through Isaiah that we're going to hear very soon in the seasons of Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany. But even more than that, Isaiah is led by the Spirit to talk about what the Savior will come to do. Right, Isaiah 53 uh, is, is what the, the chapter where he says that this, the Savior would come and be stricken, smitten, and afflicted. He would be pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The Lord would lay on him the iniquity of us all. Right? Prophecies and promises that we will see and hear in Lent. 
Right, so you have this future fulfillment that Isaiah writes about in his book as well. So you've got the immediate fulfillment of, of, to God's Old Testament people about the destruction and the comfort that God would bring through the restoration. You've got the future fulfillment, uh, those promises of the Savior to come. But yet, what makes it even more tricky is there's, there's yet another set of prophecies we see in Isaiah all kind of mixed in. And that's, that's a final fulfillment promises and prophecies of the end, of the last days of eternity. And for the most part, that's what we have before us in Isaiah 65 this morning, with a little bit of that immediate fulfillment sprinkled in for God's Old Testament Jews, but, but pictures of what eternity is going to be like. Right, these words that were spoken by Isaiah 2,700 years ago, give or take a couple, 700 years before the birth of Christ, we are giving these incredible, amazing pictures, visions of what God has in store for his saints. For his saints triumphant that now are with him, these promises have been fully realized. For us, the saints militant, right? Who, as we just sang, and that for all the saints, that the struggle is fierce, the fighting is fierce, the warfare is long, but the promise that it will end. The promise that all of these things that we experience in this life will come untrue. And in this section from Isaiah, in just these nine verses, there's three amazing things that God promises to us, the saints militant who are struggling, who are, who are tired, who are weary, who are, who are in this battle and just wanting it to be over. Three things that he promises and three things that our loved ones who are now before the throne are experiencing. That they have forever. And those three things that he, that we're, he talks about and we're going to take a look at a little closer is he promises joy, he promises life, and he promises peace. That's pretty incredible, right? Joy and life and peace forever. Listen to these opening words of our, our section from Isaiah chapter 65. And they're printed out the first lesson in, in the service folder if you'd like to follow along. So the first two verses, or first three verses, he says, See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. This is God speaking directly to you. Do you realize that? Isaiah is God's mouthpiece here. But, but it's, it's in the first person. This is God speaking directly to you through his scriptures, through his word here. And, and what God says is, I am going to create something new. That's what he says first. And, and it's not going to be like it is now. Because the way things are right now, this is not new. This is old. This is all decaying. This is all being destroyed. This has all been tainted by sin. Ever since Adam and Eve disobeyed God in that garden, sin came into this world, and with sin came death. And ever since then, it's been nothing but decay and destruction. And so God has to make something new, right? Something pure and holy, something 
like he did right there at the beginning. And in this new place that God creates, that, that we have promised to us, he says, the former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. What that means is that in this new place that is pure and holy and untainted by sin and death and suffering and sickness and pain, this new place, you won't remember former things anymore. Right? So not only will pain and suffering and sickness and death and all those bad things not be there, you won't even have a recollection of those things anymore. As we are with God in this new place, those things are gone. Gone forever. And in place of it, and what God says because of it, he says, you will be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create you will be glad and rejoice forever. Right? Gone will be all the things that make you sad. Gone will be all the things that worry you and trouble you and stress you out. All gone. And in the absence of those things will be joy. Perfect happiness and contentment forever. He says, I will create Jerusalem. Right there again, there's that immediate fulfillment. Remember, God's going to bring his people back to Jerusalem and, and, and let them rebuild there. But again, often in the, in the Bible, we talk about the new Jerusalem. The, the Heaven is pictured as Jerusalem, the city where God's people will dwell. So we've got the final fulfillment here. I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. Right? You will not only experience joy, you will be joy. The people will be a joy. A joy to God. It says, I, God, will rejoice over Jerusalem, over my people there in heaven. I will take delight in my people, right? God himself will find joy in us, right? So it's not just experiencing joy and being, being joyful forever, but God himself is rejoicing over us and delighting over us, right? Because then everything is made new, back to what it was supposed to be perfect joy and communion with God forever. Just as it was at the beginning when God said it was very good and it was perfect and, and God lived in perfect communion with Adam and Eve, that will be made right again. God will delight in us. God will find joy in us. Dear friends, dear saints militants, this is what is yours. This is what awaits you. Joy forever. And those of you who miss your loved ones, those of you who have had to say goodbye for a time, this is what the saints triumphant now enjoy before the throne of God. Joy forever. And even more than that, more than joy, God promises us life forever. Look at the next verse, verse 20. It says, never again will there be in it, in that city, in, that, in heaven, an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. Now, now what this, this doesn't mean that there is death in heaven. Okay? It doesn't mean that you're going to live to a ripe old age in heaven and then you won't be there anymore. What, what, what the Spirit is doing <laughs> is trying to put what is indescribable into human language, right? Something that we can understand. And what do we know? We know how people are taken from this life seemingly too soon, right? You hear that often. They were taken too soon. 
right? It wasn't quite their time, right? And what God is saying to us is that that kind of stuff doesn't exist in heaven. There is no goodbyes. There is no being taken too soon. There is no not even just living out your years. There's living out eternity. That you have the promise of life forever. And you know what that life is like? That life is perfect. That life will be forever. That life will never be taken from you. That the grave no longer has any sting. That the grave no longer has any power over you. That the grave does not have to make you afraid. Because what awaits you on the other side is, is life. Life the way it was supposed to be. Life free of pain, free of sickness, free of cancer, free of all the illness and troubles that you experience in this life. They will be gone. Right? All those enemies in this life that seek to, to take our health, to take our life, will not exist there. Life forever in God's presence is what awaits you. Dear Saint Militant, right? as you battle every day, as you know that someday this, this, this heart is going to stop beating, know that there awaits a life for you that will not end. And for those of you who have said goodbye to your loved ones, for those of you who have watched someone stop breathing, for those of you who have buried someone that you love deeply, they're not dead. They're alive. They are alive forever and forever in the presence of God. Dear friends, dear saints militant, God promises you, as you struggle, as you strive... <laughs> He promises you life forever with him. And even more than that, more than joy, more than life, he promises you peace. Look at verse 21 and following, this beautiful picture of, of peace that we will have. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune, for they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and the dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord." Man, are you tired? <laughs> Listen to these incredible promises, this promise of, of peace, perfect peace forever, right? That there will be no more hurting one another. There will be no more betraying one another. There will be no more distress. There will be no more worrying. There will be no more wondering if God loves me and cares about me. It'll all be gone. But perfect peace in God's presence forever. No more war, no more strife, no more distress. All gone. In God's presence forever. These amazing promises that await you, 
right? These amazing promises that God makes that you have the promise of joy and life and peace forever with him. I need to hear these. I don't know about you. I need to hear them over and over and over because I am tired. <laughs> and I am weary and I am worn down by the strife and the difficulty and the sin and the pain of this life. And I need to hear them because I miss my loved ones. And I long to see them again. And I want to be sure that they're okay. And so God gives us these incredible promises to know without a doubt that yes, they are more than okay. They are more than okay. And that what awaits me after this is something beyond comprehension. Something that only my God can promise to me. I need to hear these words. I need to be reminded of these things because who knows how long it will be yet. But until then, God says, I will strengthen you for the journey. I will sustain you with my promises. I will uphold you with my right hand. I will bring you to your heavenly home so that you can know these fully. And it's all because Christ made the way. It's all because... He was our savior militant, that he was willing to step in to our pain, into our sadness, into our loneliness, that he was willing to go to a cross and to suffer, to suffer hell itself and to die. And then to be our savior triumphant. That on that third day, he rose from that grave to prove to you that these things are not just some pie in the sky wishes, but they are a reality. Because the grave has been defeated. Your sin has been paid for. And that by God's grace, you have been given the gift of faith in this Savior who is risen and ascended and rules all things for you and who said, I'm going there to prepare a place for you so that you can know without a doubt that all this is yours. Right now. You can claim these blessings as yours right now. You don't have them fully yet. Right? We, we have joy and life and peace in Christ, right? Through his word, those, those fruits of the spirit that we have as we live in Christ and dwell in Christ. He gives us those blessings, but, but someday we will realize them fully. We will experience what true joy and life and peace really, really are. They're yours through Christ. They've been received by your loved ones, the saints triumphant. They are before the throne of God. They live with him forever and they know this full well. And you've got these promises too. In your tiredness, in your weakness, in your struggle with sin, right? as you wonder, how long, Lord? How long does this have to go on? Cling to these promises. These promises are for all the saints. And that includes you. Amen.